0: Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Movement. Yes, we are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. So welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. And our next speaker is Carrie Weber Young. This is a view from the bridge, and not just any bridge, the bridge that she was on, to jump from. So we're going to go where most people don't go in this conversation. We're going to answer the question, what if you don't jump? And so please help me welcome, welcome into the studio, Carrie Weber Young. Yes, look at this. It's magic. Yay. <laughs>
1: Yay! Hello, Jackie. So, so good to be here. here.
0: I am super excited to see you, thank you.
1: Thank you for honoring me in your space. Can I acknowledge you for a minute? I want to acknowledge the fact that you've changed VIP to very inspiring person. I want to give you (laughs) kudos because that's been a battle for me in personal development, is we have these very important person seats that people pay for, and then we're going there to feel good about ourselves and listen to the gurus. And yet we're kind of feeling bad that we don't sit in the VIP section. So I like inspiring. I love that. I wanna give you kudos for that because I've been, I've been talking about that for a very long time and you gave me a space to say something positive about VIP. So thank you. <laughs> and I also wanna address that when we're talking about suicide, the reason it's taken me this long to get here is because I didn't wanna be seen as the Debbie Downer speaker. Here she comes, she's gonna talk about that thing no one wants to talk about. She's gonna bring all the elephants out of the zoo and into the room, right? yeah. I want want to acknowledge you. And I wanna acknowledge this for our viewers because I know who my audience is. And there might be some people saying, what, she's saying welcome to this party. And I wanna acknowledge why I see this. It is important that the topic is tough and when everybody comes in with an energy like this, it makes everybody tune out and want to hide. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're having this empowering space to celebrate that we're talking about the elephant in the room. <laughs> you're ta- you made me feel like, okay, I can come in like this and celebrate why I didn't jump. So I just want to acknowledge that your happy joy is really that you're living in this space that you should be in by giving a space for all of us to be here. It isn't because it's fun, but you've opened a door to create a new language around it. I just wanted to acknowledge you and say thank you because sometimes I'm like, I'm going to the unfun party. And, And there is some joy and we are opening up a space to bring joy that we can Counterintuitively, fight this by- I'm going to tell you
0: what the challenge is for me. All right. There's another elephant in the room. Yes. When I first put together the concept of the suicide prevention show, I wanted zero suicide attempt survivors on the show. Because it wasn't about intervention. And once someone's known to be at risk, they're in the realm of intervention. And my target market, like you said, you know your audience. The audience I wanted was the audience of people who don't know they're at risk. It's the parents I would meet at a meeting and say, have you heard of the number of parents who have no idea their child is on the verge of taking their own life? Yep. We're clueless about what's happening inside the people that we are very much close to. And so I wanted to catch people before there was a risk factor.
1: Absolutely.
0: The problem is, before there's a risk factor, they really don't want to talk about it because it's not my kid. My kid's fine. Yeah, fine. Frenzied, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. You're right. They're fine. Yeah, and I just wanted to get up in people's faces, which for me is a lot of fun. Right. The point of prevention being fun is because if you're having fun, that's Mother Nature's natural preventative. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple.
1: Well, you're not, you're taking the scare and the fear away. You know, so if you come in and say, you want to talk about suicide prevention, people are going to be like, no, I got a million other things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just wanted to acknowledge that. So people understand, hey, you guys, audience, don't make an assumption ever, ever, <laughs> ever. Because it just makes an ass out of me and it makes an ass out of you. And it and it closes the door to conversation. Mm. So. I always wear my sparkle diamonds. I've been talked about through this. This reminds me to shine from the inside and not to be afraid to go deep and to get vulnerable and to be transparent like a diamond. <laughs> Is it because I think I'm all that and I think I'm going to the Oscars? Heck yeah. Every day I want to be the Oscars in my life. It doesn't always work for me, but you know, it's the effort we make.
0: <laughs> it's a great attitude and I am all about good attitudes I think having the ability to adjust your own attitude is the sign of maturity this is you when you can adjust your own attitude you're a grown-up absolutely I'm adulting adulting there we go triple-a adjust <laughs> your own attitude equals adult Ooh, but I got a lot of people who claim to be adult who give their power over their attitude to other people every day. every day and I used to every day and now it's not so much that way but yeah this is the topic we're going to talk about all right i didn't want to talk about i didn't want to talk about it all right that's the start of my tedx talk that's the reason you didn't want to talk about this And I will be bluntly honest, most of the organizations that I first approached, because I thought, why do I need to reinvent the wheel? I'll just join one of these national suicide prevention organizations or one of the international suicide prevention organizations. And I walked in and I went, oh, this is not my vibe. Because it was all about mental health. It was all about intervention. It was all about the fight, the struggle, the the challenge. And I'm like, there's no prevention there. This is all intervention work. Raising awareness is one thing, but raising awareness without a path to help people build the skills that they need to prevent them from walking to the ledge is nothing more than noise, in my opinion. It is ineffective advocacy. And if I've got a stump that I stand on, it is that if you are standing up and speaking out and it is not effective, you are part of the problem.
1: Absolutely. There we go. 100 <laughs> degrees. She's on, she's on that pedestal.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I'm on a stump or a soapbox. honey. I, I come from a family of preachers. You
1: know? <laughs> I couldn't tell.
0: <laughs> All right. Take us where you want to start.
1: Okay, well, first of all, I am going to talk about my, I called it the war with the bridge when I first started talking about it, Mm -hmm. but it was really, I have learned through, and and I'm always sharing examples of good speaking to my, I know my clients are watching. A good speaker is somebody that knows their story, and as the story evolves, you're allowed to change the headline sometimes. So it's not any longer the war with the bridge, it's the connection with the bridge Ooh. for me. And so um, the reason that I decided it was important to shift from you know, the happy, contagious living speaker who's talking about building bridges between connection one human at a time, that's all important. But what I discovered in my journey is all of that fluffy, nice stuff that everybody looked at and saw was the fluffy, nice lady was really me building a foundation for this conversation, because if we stay connected or we become connected and we open conversations to connection, and folks, I wanna share this. That doesn't mean Instagram. That does not mean Facebook. That means when you're walking down the street and I pass Jackie Simmons and I say, hello. And she looks at me like, do I know her? then you know you're doing your connection job because she's flat out wondering, she's flat out wondering, raise my camera, who is that lady and do I know her? And I hope you're walking away saying, I don't know if I do, but I wanna know her because your energy and your human existence should be so vibrant. And I'm telling you, even on the days you don't feel it, it is not fake it till you make it, it's nurture it until it becomes natural. That means practicing, stepping out of your COVID box and get my truth bumps and saying to your neighbor, hey, how are you doing with all this isolation? Can we talk? But when you ask those questions, folks, you gotta be willing to listen. Don't offer to have coffee if you're not really gonna go meet up for coffee. Those are the people I don't like. I love everybody I come in contact with, but don't be a coffee liar. You want to have coffee with me? I'm putting you in my planner and I'm making a date. If if it's not on my spontaneous norm to say, let's right now, Jackie, let's go have coffee. Just the way that we met, right?
0: Maybe.
1: I want to connect with you. Let's do it. Let's do it today. So that's what we did. And that's why we're here. So I want to share with folks that are out there that are hurting is you don't have to be like this all the time. Because it's oh. not a feeling. But you could say, hey, you know, I would just love to connect with you. And I'm not even sure why. I get that every single day. And I go, well, you know what? Let's find out. Let's find out why. And your job as a listener is if Jackie comes to me as we, as we have lots of common interests with suicide and she shares a, a tough thing going on with your daughter, or what's going on. Um, I wanna share this real quick with you guys. I'm, I'm not uh, squirreling, which is very often of me, but this is with purpose. The connection I have to Jackie is, so Jackie's story as the mom or mum mom in Canada of a daughter who struggles in this arena of suicide, anxiety, depression. The thing is I'm attracted to the fact that she's a window to the reflection of my own mother who, when, when Jackie shares with me her story, I go, wow, that's my mom speaking. Because I'm the one with the suicidal jump tendency. And I've got a mom that's always trying to connect. And she's somehow trying to own my issue. And so this is a really, really love, love connection with you. And a mentorship that goes both ways. We get to see, I get to see in you my mom's heart. And you get to see in me the validity of your own daughter. And I hope, I hope, and I pray for moms like you to see me. The reason that I talk about this is so that you can understand there's good days and there's bad days, but there's a whole lot of good stuff that she can get and grow and become inside. And so we're going to have that conversation another day. But I wanted to go there and share that with you guys that, that that's a connection and an aha moment that I had 26 years. After my bout with this depression and to to wait 26 years, you guys, I reached out with Jackie and I got to have an aha moment. And you are one less stranger in my life. So we can get together and have our coffee when the borders open up and we can connect and and move mountains in this space and move mountains out of the way. But I'm going to take I'm going to take it away from me and you and I'm going to open up some doors right now. And I'm just going to share with you guys that after being this happy, contagious person, I'm also, I can be really a diva in the room about audience connection with speakers. If I hire you to my event and you're all this great stuff, you got the upsell and you got those people to Tony Robbins style, race over the first 100 people and, and get that program or buy that book or used to be a CD. And then when you get off that stage and little Susie has run over to buy your program and then she comes up and says, Miss Jackie Simmons, I'm so excited to meet you. And you're like, what's next? You're fired. You're out of my circle until you go meet with Les Brown and you learn how to connect with your story and your audience and you get real. That's a big space for me in this industry. And I'm going to shout it out every time I have a chance to talk and just oh, know it's manifesting change.
0: It's, in, it's a space in the industry. And I am so grateful that you are tackling this. Heart you seat.
1: know? Heart seats, not bum seats. We want heart seats.
0: You know, it's really crazy uh, right now in the world. And for me, this is a challenging conversation. When I was three years ago, if I go back three years, and I mean, I am four years, five years, I am heavily invested in high-end speaker training. And I was working with someone who said, Imagine coming off the stage and people rushing up to you with tears in their eyes, thanking you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I said, why would I want that? And she went, don't speak. Stop now. Don't pursue this line. If you don't want that kind of connection. In that moment, I had no clue what the elephant in the room was. Right. The last thing I wanted four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, even one year ago, was people getting that close to me.
1: Um, You had built your own wall and created...
0: Over 20 years of silence on my daughter's suicide attempts. And it's plural. There was over 20 years of silence where we didn't talk about it. I had sold myself on the idea that if she was getting professional help, we didn't have to have the conversation. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until I got forced into it, it was either have the conversation with my daughter, the the important conversation, the one that truly matters, or give up a TEDx stage, ouch. It was also give up having any impact, any real impact in the teen suicide prevention movement that we were, on the one hand, starting to launch and on the other hand, hiding from my identity. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd have fired me, honey. <laughs> just yeah. say it. And, and I know Les Brown. He, he, I've, and I've had mentors. It's okay. I'm just going to say this. It's okay to have an elephant in the room when the time is right, you'll name it and you'll tame it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and you'll hire the people who'll help you train it. We'll and help, then you yeah. can ride it all the way to the bank. But until you're ready to name it, don't beat yourself up for having one. That's one of the reasons for the know, like, and trust factor assessment that we gave away on the last break is that until you're ready to know what it is that's preventing you from trusting yourself, don't beat yourself up for having an elephant. It's there to save you. Yes, 100%.
1: That is the best advice. The best advice. I might have to interview, I will interview you with my clients. Ooh. You can say that out loud. They'll know I'm not such a bad guy. So Jackie, Yeah. let's, let's invite my elephant into the room.
0: All right, here it comes, people.
1: So, and I am going to go... I've done this on TEDx. I've shared this story a lot of times and I I seem to skip the very beginning. So I'm going to I'm going to tell the beginning. So it started out 5 months after the birth of my first child and I was happily married. I chose motherhood and I was sitting down. I used to I used to speak on giving permission to say no to the thank yous the first 5 years of your life as a female back in 1990 was a thank you card. Thank you for coming to the wedding. Thank you for this, thank you, you know, the baby gift, thank you, thank you. And here you have these babies and you're supposed to write 50 thank you gifts. Oh, thank God for the internet for one thing. You can say thank you, people can get that. I still love a card, but I was sitting down writing cards and my baby was on the floor. My husband traveled all around the world internationally. So I was very gifted to be able to stay at home. We just bought our first home. Life, was, life should have been a white picket fence, perfect. That's the reason for my book, White Picket Fence Down. I was sitting on the couch and I was looking at my baby and I'm trying to write these thank you cards uh, just about Christmas and all of a sudden I started feeling palpitations. and The reason I wanna go into this story is I want people to relate. I had no preconceived notion, no Debbie Downer manifestation towards it, none of that. This is a happy woman having a chemical nightmare begin. I'm sitting down and my heart starts to beat and I have very, very low blood pressure. So for me to feel my heartbeat was, I was like, oh, what's this? And then I started to feel prills in my hair. And guys, I mean, prickles, like, you know, somebody's stabbing me. And then I started to feel cold and hot and sweaty at the same time. And a black, black, dark feeling of fear came over me. That is the best way to describe it. And without sounding dramatic... I was afraid I would fall down and faint on my baby. So I crawled down on the floor. I crawled into my bedroom and I tapped my husband and I, I, he could tell you to this day, I look like, like somebody drowning. I was absolutely fearful and I can't explain the feeling. Something was coming to get me. And my husband was no drama. You're fine. You're fine. I'm like, oh, I can't even breathe. And just the fear. And then in that moment, you guys, your head goes through there's my baby. What's happening? And it is the single most scariest moment that has ever happened and evaporated the life out of me within five minutes. And there's no other way to say it than being dramatic because it was a scary moment. My husband calls 911 and I always share this because it's important. We didn't have all these commercials of antidepressants and anxiety. No one talked about it. Tom Cruise had not jumped up and down about women's hormones on an Oprah show. Um, The actresses had not been out talking about postpartum. It was a quiet thing and if you had more than the baby blues there was something wrong with you mentally. And the the other elephant in the room was we had Kathy Yates who had killed her children. There were women that were struggling with this and it was you know, all over the news at this time. If you remember women drowning their children or hanging them in the closet, awful things we don't want to talk about. I talk about them as much as I'm the biggest child lover in the world because it needs to be talked about. It is ugly. And the atrocity is not the women committing these crimes. It's the medical and it's the family structures that are broken down and we aren't listening to these women. That's in a postpartum story. That's where I thought that I was. My husband got me a a hot milk and I want to share why this works because this is so important for people that are rural. We all think we're in this little box and everybody's got access to things. If you're struggling with anxiety and depression, I want to challenge you the next time that you're struggling, you'll know if it's chemical, a good sign is if you go get a glass of hot milk, who wants to drink hot milk? No chocolate, no hazelnut, just a glass of hot milk Mm -hmm. and it must be. Cow's milk, good old fashioned cow's milk. I don't even drink this stuff today. But the reason why is when a mother cow nurses her baby, it's got enzymes in her cow's milk Mm -hmm. that calm the anxiety of a cow. Take you, my loves. So we're 100 pounds to maybe 300 pounds as humans. We're half the size of a baby cow. Mm-hmm. So you take hot milk and the enzymes that you, you heat up in the microwave, or usually the microwave is not the best thing, but an anxiety is no fun. So you want to get it fast. I'll tell you within 20 minutes, the average metabolism, all of a sudden you feel calm and you feel cool and you feel collected. And that's when you get onto YouTube, you talk to someone you trust and you say, this just happened to me. And then you can collaboratively talk about it. And then you can go to the doctor and tell the doctor, This worked. If it doesn't work, then there's probably situational. Somebody's hurting you. uh, The roof is not comfortable over your head. You don't have food in your belly. You're not sure about what tomorrow's going to bring for you. That's situational. And that's, you know, that's not, drugs aren't just always going to fix that. Hot milk is probably not going to fix that. But it's a really good baseline for my clients to decide. And this is what I love. When you come to me and say, yeah, Carrie, I don't like hot milk. I say, then, then I know you're from a one to 10, you're about a three and you're okay. And that gives you as a coach, a good idea to know, because let me tell you, I don't like hot milk. I don't even like milk, but if I was having one of those anxiety attacks 20 years ago, that was my go-to. So I want to share that that night, that's what started. And I proceeded to be very proactive. I went to doctors, I went to Christian counselors. I was told I had a demon inside of me. I was told that my metabolism was whatever. I was told I had the baby blues, but I did not sit in silence. And the reason why is not to say I'm magical and more you know, than anybody else, I'm a tenacious survivor, but it's to tell people like Jackie out there who have a daughter to listen to and my mom out there, and those of you that have a wife or a sister or a brother or a son that's struggling, It's to, on our side of the fence, your side of the fence, it's to know that they are really, really struggling. And it's really, a lot of people don't have the, it's like a three-year-old doesn't have the comprehension to say, you know, I have constipation. They just cry, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes people going through this don't understand until we tell them that it's okay. Until we tell them that we see them. And I'm going to give my number one tool. I tell this first, because if somebody gets off of this because they're bored of my talk, that's okay. I want them to take one tool. So here's the tool I'm going to give, and then I'm going to share my jump. The tool is this. When you're struggling through suicide, through the tendencies, and through the thoughts, and sometimes the word that uh, psychology taken away now is uh, what I still believe in is neurosis. Neurosis is a space where nothing seems as it is. Right, so that's where people come to me and they've had outer body experiences. That, you're, not, you're not losing your mind, it's that frontal cortex trying to protect you. Right, trying, to, trying mm-hmm. to remove you from a situation. And people have thought, you know, my own mother said, do you have to tell people about that outer body thing? Yes, did I go out of my body and transcend like we talk about now today? No, this is 1992, no one ever talked about it. I sat at a baby shower going, I don't feel anything. I don't hear their laughter. I'm not experiencing this joy. Something is wrong with me. Knowing that something was wrong with me and giving myself anxiety on the inside when you can't let your anxiety out and go, I'm having a problem. Get me the warm milk or the Prozac or whatever it is you got or the 911. When you're sitting in that space, cause you're you're sitting up with you know, Jackie Simmons on her show and you can't have that moment because it doesn't feel like society will allow it, then it goes deeper and your body will transcend. So you feel everything changes and alters in your body to the point you're not even sure you're behind your eyes. It's normal and you will be okay. What's not normal is we think you can't talk about it and we want to have those conversations. We wanna hear your cray cray thoughts so that we can tell you that you're okay, I'm normal. About as normal as we can get, because I kind of explain that normal is just a button on the dryer.
0: Oh, that's there we fun. go, that's, that's the thing. Button on the dryer is yours, setting on the washing machine is what we say in my family.
1: Exactly, 100%. So, and I think I stole that from Nancy Claremont, so let's give her credit.
0: There but we I'm
1: go. So I went on with this for a year, Being very pro-advocate, that's why I talk for people that are afraid to. I told people, you know, I was singing on the the church panel. I was singing on the worship team in the morning. And I was was giving it to the Lord and expecting him to fix me. And there are so many different avenues I tried. And then I went on a new drug called Zoloft because Prozac was all there was that existed. And I wanna remind you guys, we didn't have those commercials of, hey, are you feeling a little of this? And the little egg comes over and talks to this, try this new drug. And by the way, if you have a heart attack, we didn't have that. So it was all experimental. And I was weird because I would go everywhere I went and I'd say, hey, so I just wanna let you know, I have this thing going on inside me and and I'm just not gonna apologize. I'm not gonna pretend to be that girl because I don't know where she is. This is the tool. I finally, after the bridge, I drove to the bridge and I put my son, I'm gonna go ahead and get your Kleenexes. This one kills me just to even tell you. I got on that bridge, the big Astoria Washington Bridge that opens up to the mouth of the Columbia River. This bridge is tall and it's got this, you should not be parking your car on the bridge. That was the first thing. I parked my car on the bridge. My son was now a year old and talking And I had gone through everything in my head. I thought about, you know, asphyxiating myself in the garage, but then that day my son started walking. So I do believe in a higher power. The day I was gonna go in the garage, no go, he's walking now, he can get out there. And I lived on five acres. So the chances of him walking into my suicide were not something I could deal with. And I'm a voice coach for 20 years. I sat up on that bridge hiked my leg over that bridge and it's five miles long. So you got a long ways till that car gets to you. And it was early, early morning. It was gray and dusky, almost a blue tinge to the sky. Um, It was like no one was in the whole entire universe but me. I parked the car over there just before the corner so nobody crashed into it, but it was on the bridge. Let's make no note. This is not a bridge where there's room. I, nobody home and my child is sitting in the seat and I put the window down so he could be heard and he could breathe. And I hike my leg over that bridge and I remember looking down, Jackie, and I thought, oh Lord, I'm gonna feel the most present part of my body that I know is my vocal region as a singer. And I'm gonna feel that lump in my throat. And that, that was a, a stopping moment that slowed me down just enough to think I just go fast. It's going to be over that fast. And I was thinking, do, do I want my feet to hit? Like I was trying to think of how to land and, and, and not come back. And I looked at that car, put my hand on my vocal region. And I will tell you when you're alone and you think you're the only one on the planet, There is a thing called timing. And for me, I call it God. And and for you, I hope you have a higher power and a source because that makes this process that much easier. But the first thing to go in depression is your faith. I looked over at that car and my son yelled as loud, as clearly as he could. And he was a very soft, gentle child. I know he was brought here to save my soul. I it took me a long time to share that t- with him because I didn't want to put that on him. But now when he has a bad day, he reminds himself. So that's another parenting. Don't be afraid to share with your kids. Don't be afraid because when he has a tough day, he remembers this moment. He yelled and I'm standing now up on that thing. I've got one leg over. I'm, I'm standing over this bridge and it's cold. And I just hear this little boy's voice like angels across, you know, over water everything over water is emulated and I heard mama my mama and I still to this day that is what saved me it was if he could have said don't jump mama your time isn't up and I need you in this life Yes, I had told myself they'll find him in the car, they'll drive him to my mom's house, my brothers and sisters will raise him. I had all these beautiful excuses for how he didn't, he didn't deserve a mom that was broken. But that day, he came out his voice, his little tiny voice, like a miracle. I cannot tell you how loud, how loud the acoustics were on that bridge on that water that day. And I just put my head down and I just said, I can't do this. That little boy is telling me, somehow, somehow, I will find a way to fix this brokenness. But I felt him that day. Folks, I don't know if you're putting it together. When your person chose to jump or they haven't chose to jump, I want you to know this as the person who survived your person's illness because you're there holding on to them every day. I want you to just know, Jackie, I want to give you permission right now to be vulnerable. Your daughter's fight and journey and acceptance of her suicidal thoughts is nothing to do with you. I want to take that from you right now. I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to me.
0: I had to give that up to do what I'm doing, Carrie. Right. Yo, That was the elephant in the room that I had to tame in order to take a TEDx stage on this topic. So you were right on. We get stuck there so many times as parents and loved ones. And that is why this is such a village issue. It's a family affair. Mm
1: -hmm. It's
0: not an isolated person on the bridge. Everyone who knows you is impacted by the decision you made that day. So the decision that you made was to accept what hearing your son's voice as a sign that there was a possibility of a better outcome, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. possibility of a positive experience in the future. It's a powerful decision. I
1: feel like that day when I drove home, Mm -hmm. the conversation for me, you know, I've, I've worked with some great speakers and they're like, can you develop that drive home story a little bit? And I'm like, "It, it can't be any more than what it was. And the drive home was someday if this little boy is in a space where his heart needs validation for his existence. How more can you feel connected in existence is important than knowing that at one years old, yelling, my mama saved my life. And, and he has a mama because he was utilized in that space as an infant. So he's had some trials. He's had some issues in life where he's struggled. It's situational for him. And he's a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I'll tell you, nothing brings him to his knees. And when I share this story, when that went on on TEDx, I had to call him and say, so when I got to Victoria, something inside me said to change my story 24 hours before the TED Talk. And it was kind of a little about you. And he went, oh, okay. What part? <laughs> so I opened a space of vulnerability where now we talk about it so much and mm-hmm. I'm constantly sharing with him that someday I see him up there sharing why it's important for our parents to stop protecting us and start talking to us. And I think a lot of our suicidal tendencies are lack of validation because we feel that. My son has felt a powerful connection to me, always. A healthy, strong, powerful connection. Sometimes where he has to remove himself, like I can't be that tied to my mama, I gotta grow and be a man. But it's when you validate it by sharing, they go, "Oh, thank God, mom, there's a reason I feel this way.
0: You know, learning how to share a story in a way that honors, respects, hold a space, uh, where we listen without judgment, and without trying to fix or problem solve or strategize. I mean, these are the adulting skills. These are the reason that we put the show together and why we created the Teen Suicide Prevention Society and the suicide prevention movement. It's because these are the life skills that are so simple, so easy to acquire that they are missed in the education of, you bet. You know, of our youth, of ourselves. You know, this is the, I'll get around to some personal development after I've made my money. You know, the answer is you do the personal development and the money comes. But getting this message across that it is the personal development work that is more powerful than your kids learning how to do algebra or even how to read. If they learn to read their own emotions and communicate them, knowing they will be received without fear, without anger, without judgment on the part of the parent, mm-hmm. will change the world. Carrie, mm-hmm.
1: I'm so excited to have met you and have an opportunity to share stories like this and take the you know the fear base of the connection in um, parenting. You know, it is a big responsibility, and it's such a beautiful responsibility. But we are—they don't come with the, you know, driver's license and learn. They're all different, and uh, I find a lot of joy in helping families connect in this conversation. And but you know, you're—you hit the nail on the head, Jackie. It's—it's it's hard sometimes as a coach and somebody experienced into this to, you know, it's like a nurse. Remembering that each person that you're working with hasn't hasn't been there, even though you, you put a needle in somebody's arms 310 times, you gotta remember that each time is a new experience. And I try to remember that as a coach and, and when I'm speaking to an audience, but sometimes the, the little ego human in me is like, why is this so hard? It's on your heart to have the conversation. And here's the downside, why it's so important what you're doing and what is preventative about this is when you reach people, and really inspire and encourage and empower us to have these conversations. I believe, I'm putting it out there right now, I know that Jackie's mission is gonna absolutely cut numbers because it is one person at a time. One life matters at a time, you bet. But you're, you're gonna empower people to have conversations that there's people over here I'd like to hear from more of that didn't get the conversation. Their conversation is about how they didn't get the conversation. It's called an I wish conversation. And I honor I honor those of you that are in I wish space. I honor you and, and I pray for you every day. But I want to encourage you to start talking to people. So there's less wishful conversations and more empowering, preventative conversations. It's real. What you're doing is real.
0: What happened on the first time that I started doing these interviews is that I had parents whose children died, who wanted to have the conversation, wanted to help other people understand the risk of the silence, so they could avoid any more of the I wish conversations. And then people, people who, yo, know, it's like, wait, wait, we, we are talking people who have massive wealth. They have massive influence in the world. They have every single quote, reason to leave in the world. And they came on my summit and talked about tasting defeat. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the bank account. It wasn't about the influence in the world. It wasn't about the impact they could have or how they were esteemed by the world. It was about the day when emotionally they were so low that they put a gun in their mouth and tasted defeat. Yeah. And we're talking, well-known people, we're talking, Mandino shared that story with Ben Gay Third, the last protege of Napoleon Hill. Ben Gay Third came on my show and shared his story. The power of the pervasiveness of this tendency, Situational, biochemical, every time people go, What's the cause of this? Is it cyberbullying? Is it this? Is it that? I'm going, you're looking in the wrong direction. Right? What if we actually had the emotional resilience to handle a bully? What if we had the emotional resilience to walk away from a screen and connect with a real human being? What if we had this set of skills that had emotional, social learning in it so that we had the ability to self-regulate our emotions, to have the conversation that matters with ourselves, and to fearlessly, boldly start that conversation with other people? That's the world we envision, Carrie. That's where we're going with this movement. We picture a world where self-empowerment replaces self-sabotage. Absolutely. And that's the world we're looking for. That's why we're doing this. That's why I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and share your story. Because you, from that bridge, when you were the only person in the world, is so telling because this is the story I hear. In that moment, on the ledge, no one else exists. That's the moment when you're truly alone. The challenge is, if you leap, and if you don't leap, either way, you're going to impact the world, not just yourself. Yes,
1: and I think the danger zone now uh, in the last decade that my clients have changed is this. This, um, and I'm not going to use the mi word. This new generation. Oh. This new younger generation, they, they've lived, in, and we taught this to them, to be impulsive and to have all these choices and to have all this control and have it now. So the problem with that is they don't have that instant gratification and, and they grew up with it and now they got this thing they can't instantly fix. Mm,
0: and they, we have the problem solving skills got missed. They did. So um, one of, um, well, actually, this is an ongoing conversation, not just one speaker, but it's an ongoing conversation. The problem-solving skills, that's the emotional resilience mm-hmm. because being able to assign a meaning, if I can't answer it in this second. Right. Oh, by the way, th- you said we taught it to them. You have no idea. When we praise a child for the results that they get, We are setting them up for failure because they're not going to understand that it's the effort that goes into something that's valuable, not just the outcome. And so having these conversations really matters, Carrie.
1: Well, when the other thing is, is all this, you are, you are good enough. You listen to a meditation, Jackie, you are good enough. Well, that's contradiction to why we told them what they had to do. And then we gave them the trophy and all of that. It's, it's very convoluted. And that's why life coaches are so needed. Because we're like, okay, we can spend decades back here. We gotta fix right now. It's called urgency. Coaches are urgent leaders here in the now. That's what I do. I said, do you want to hire me to talk about your past 10 years? We can do that for five minutes and let's pick out where we are today, move forward. And when you're healthy, then we can go back and dabble back what grandma said to you at the kitchen table. Right. But we got to get people healthy now. And that's what you're about. So I want to share this really big action. So what I got out of this is because I'm this girl You know, I was never a cheerleader in high school, I wanna make that clear. But I am a cheerleader for people in life. And my daughter's a cheerleader in real life. And the the difference is, is you showing up for people. Cheerleading is how do you show up? Not a bunch of rah-rah, but getting deep and getting centered and really listening to people. So to me, the foundation of prevention is every human being has to take part In this mission, we all have to get connected. We have to get heart-centered, not mindset. Quit getting mindset and staying here with everybody in the same mindset. Boom, 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 we're playing bumper cars. No, you guys, get deep, get vulnerable, give up your V card, take action. You gotta build a foundation with people like Jackie, like myself, have these vulnerable conversations. You haven't really felt that way, have you? Isn't it kind of a weakness to feel that way? Oh, people who jump off of bridges, they're just quitters. I want to tell you from right here A, you can get better. I haven't had an anxious, depression, anxiety, mental anxiety. I've been anxious, probably because a bus was coming after me, but I have not been, you know, out of my head mentally anguished, anxiety-prone, or depressed since 1994 because I found out I had a thyroid issue and I also learned through the process of it. When I felt anxious, what, I go get a glass of hot milk. It was gross, but it worked. I tried Zoloft, it didn't work for me because for me, my mental piece was saying, I don't need this, I don't, I grew up in that, you know, we don't need anything, we don't need to take a pill. I coach my clients all the time if that's going to level you out and help you get the skill set and the heart set to believe in yourself that you can get through it and you do have three three people okay three supportive people that you can go to and three people that don't necessarily listen to you because if you're going to be a cheerleader for somebody with depression You can't always take their word for it because sometimes they're looking for an excuse
0: and an out. And if they tell we're we're gonna have to pause this because we have gone way off into the intervention side. Okay. And here's how we handle it. In the suicide prevention movement, there's a national, international intervention specialist hotline. Do not try to intervene yourself ever with someone around you. I'm just gonna say, don't do it. Turn it over to a professional immediately for two reasons. And the first reason is, it's easier for them to talk with a stranger than it is for them to talk with someone who might know the possible players in their pain. So turn it over to an intervention specialist. The second reason is, if you feel like they have a risk, and you don't turn it over, the potential harm that you're doing to yourself, if they make the decision to take their own life, that's a feeling that doesn't necessarily go away. So just know intervention is the realm of professionals. If someone is at risk, if you think that you are at risk, do not, I'm sorry, forgive me, do not call your life coach. Call a trained intervention specialist. Your life coach is for prevention. We The advocacy training program is for prevention. Every single advocate student positively impacts at least 20 people while they're a student. You. Know, this is all prevention. Yeah. And if you are the person standing on the ledge, don't wait. Call. Call the intervention number nearest you. And we will be posting it in the chat and it'll be in the show notes. And Carrie, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show, for sharing your story. It's a very special moment for you to come and say, it's gonna be all right. And you never know whose voice you might hear when you're on the bridge. Just know that if you hear a voice, it's calling you back. So that's our message is if you're on the ledge, lean back. Let the world support you. We'll be here to catch you.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. I might have to steal that for my
0: closes. That's nope. Ah, oh, all right. So here's the rule about speaking. Give permission, give attribution. Absolutely, love it. So the the intervention information is in the chat and your connection information is in the chat. So if people want more connection with Carrie, know that everyone on the call will get early access to Carrie's book when it comes out. And in the meantime, they can connect with you on your website. So we have given everyone that information. White picket fence down. That's a powerful message. So... So we'll put that, like I said, if you go to the Carrie's website, you'll find ways to connect. And that's the whole point is to build connections Mm -hmm. that care. Carrie, you obviously care.
1: Oh, I do. Thank you for the opportunity to share. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to end with one tool. This This is the thing I always say in the beginning.
0: Yep. All right. You got two minutes. Go for it.
1: When you are struggling with depression, one of the best ways to get through it, and this is the best tool that was ever given to me, is someone said, who cares? It's a label and it's a title. Just look in the mirror, see who you are and start having a conversation. And this is what I did. I'd say, hi, Gary, you're a little broken right now. And it's just okay. And that gave me permission to stop being on the wheel of how do I feel today? How do I feel today? Am I depressed? Can I feel anything? Because that's what I did to myself. And you get obsessive and you get on that hamster wheel, Mm -hmm. the best tool, I always say, if you ever, if I got five minutes left on the earth, dump me out on the corner and I'm gonna yell from the highest mountain, it's okay. Take your power back. So what? You're not feeling everything on the level that they are and they are, it's okay. You will take a breath, calm down, let it happen. Surround yourself by empowering people who love and see you. It's important that you felt seen, but not necessarily understood. It's part of the journey.
0: So And reach out to those of us. Reach out. There we go. We are building an army of advocates. We are building a group of people who are trained to support you so that you can boldly have this conversation with yourself and help other people break the silence and have the conversation. You don't have to be at risk to be an advocate. You don't have to know anyone at risk to be an advocate. The purpose is to prevent people from ever becoming at risk. These are the conversations that truly matter. Carrie, thank you for having one with me.
1: Thank you so much. What a pleasure.